This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshas Re'eh, 5783. The Pasuk we're dealing with today is Perak Yedalek Pasuk Gimel. It's right before, right before all the animals, what's kosher and what's not kosher. It says, Lo Sochal Kol Eval. You should not eat anything that is abominable. You should not eat anything that is disgusting. So what does the word toeva mean? First, starting off, what does the word toeva mean? What is the Pasuk telling us that we should, we wouldn't know from reading the next couple of psukim, right, which tells us the difference between a kosher and a non-kosher animal, non-kosher bird, non-kosher fish, etc. What is this Pasuk coming to include? Now, Targum Yonason says the word toeva is derechikis minchon, that it should be something that's far away from you. Targum Unkulis just says kol demerachik, Anything that's far away is if it has been taken away from you. This could mean anything that's forbidden for you to do, which helps us understand what Rashi says. Now, Rashi explains this means anything that I have made abominable to you. It refers to almost anything that could be, such as splitting the ear of a Bechor animal, right, to give it a blemish and therefore allow to be shechted anywhere, which is brought by the Sifri over here, right, but not by our Gemara. Tosvos in Tumuram Bechoro says it's an Asmachta Ba'alma. It's not actually from the Pasuk itself. It's not a Del Raisa. Either way, that's something that I've said that is abominable to you. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us. So to cooking milk and meat together, right? So that's something that's a toeva, and you're warned here not to do, which is brought by the Gemara and Avodazar, Ayin Aleph and Aleph. Obviously, this is not the only Pasuk about Pasuk HaKal. Pasuk HaKal is the Oraisa, but it's from Losev HaShel Gediv HaChalevi Mo, not from over here. The Penech Raza, the Moshev Zekenim, and the Sivzeh Chamim ask, why then are we allowed to eat chickens or animals, right, that have been castrated? That's also something that's considered a toeva. You're not allowed to castrate animals or to do those types of things. It's forbidden to do that to an animal. And he answers, the reason why you're allowed to eat them is since we need a pusik to forbid us from bringing a cirrus onto the Mizbeach, it must be that for a head yod, it's going to be mutter. That's the idea. For a normal person, it will be mutter. That's the reason why there's no problem with eating them. You don't even have to ask that shaila whether they were misaris or not. Paris Yosef gives another answer based on Hamakna in Kiddushin, Dafnun Zainam Abeyes, that's Sefer Hamakna, that this Isser does not apply to animals at all, and therefore the Sears itself, and therefore you cannot apply this love to Shchute Chutz or Chulun Shinishru Bazara for the exact same reason. So to eating an animal that is Mesares would not be an Isser according to this. Even though it's a Toeva for you to do, it's not a Toeva for them to do, and I realize how does an animal do it. This could answer quite a few questions about forbidden foods throughout Shas, right? And that's the idea behind it, that again, this Isser doesn't apply to animals necessarily. So that's an interesting line that he uses right over there. Now, the Ibn Ezra, right on the other hand, says it refers to anyone, that, anything that a pure soul would be disgusted by. If you would be disgusted by it, then you shouldn't eat it, such as Sharetz Aretz. Interestingly, in Parshish Shmini, there are bugs that we say that you're not allowed to eat. That's not mentioned here in Parshish Re'eh. We mention the birds, we mention the fish, we even mention animals. We don't mention locusts over here, we don't mention Shrutzim. So maybe if it looks disgusting, you shouldn't eat it. And that's the idea behind it. I'm not sure exactly what he's trying to add on because technically that is mentioned by Parsha Shemini itself, right? But either way, but because they don't mention anything, maybe it's mentioned in the beginning with Lo Sochal Kol and that's the reason why it's mentioned over here. That's how the Ibn Ezra puts it. The Ramban says almost the exact opposite. He says anything that's forbidden for us to eat because it is because it's considered disgusting for our souls. Meaning, it's not disgusting in and of itself. It's disgusting for our neshama. 
tiuv means something ma'us, disgusting. Oh, sonui, something hated. We know machalim asurim gasim causes fattened flesh and a closing up of one's soul. That's why we have to stay away from these forbidden foods because it will affect you as a person. You will not be the same person after you eat it. He then explains that it's possible that since shratzim are already disgusting, and they are, right, they're not mentioned over here. Since they're already disgusting, without having to mention how bad they are for the souls, I don't even have to mention. We already know things that are disgusting. So you wouldn't necessarily think that a rabbit is disgusting. You wouldn't necessarily think that a camel is disgusting or these birds are disgusting. But you know that a sheritz is disgusting, and that wouldn't be a kasha whatsoever. And that's why we don't mention trefos over here. Trefos are not mentioned because they're poisoned. There's something wrong with them, right? There's a bit of sickness in the animal that can't be eaten by anyone, right? Let lest that sickness spread to him, and that's the reason why they're not mentioned over here. Says the Ramban, that's the reason why they're not mentioned. Now, Nitziv says a toeva would be something that's naturally disgusting to a person. This is what the Ibn Ezra means, I believe. While cold toeva means even something that I've forbidden you to eat from. Meaning it's like Chazal saying in the pasuk. You should find yourself disgusted by the item. You should think to yourself that it's something disgusting. If you would ever eat from them, you wouldn't eat from them even if you offered them for free. And that's the concept behind this idea. That the Ibn Ezra is right, but that's just from the word toeva. Kol toeva is reported, Rabban says, something that I made into you, something disgusting, that you should not eat because I don't want you to eat it. That's kol toeva. The Barbanel says it a little bit stronger. This toeva is not something you consider disgusting. Since the foods the Torah forbids are not disgusting at all. I guess even bugs are not necessarily disgusting the ones that they eat. And in fact, maybe they're enticing. Instead, it's referring to foods that are delicious, but yet we stay away from. That's considered abominable because a Kaddish Baruch says, I don't want you to have it. That's interesting. Another line that's similar to the Ramban itself. Ramosha Moshe al if we only knew how these foods changed us and made us different on the inside, we would stay away from them forever. It wouldn't even be a Shiloh. Instead, we allow our taste buds to tell us what to do, and it changes our souls forever, unfortunately. This one says something very, very similar. Before Matan Torah, it was known that what was considered a Tahor animal, right? And we know that Noah learned which animals were Tahor, which were Tameh, when he went down to the Teva itself. Nonetheless, HaKadosh Baruch allowed him to eat any animal, even though they were Tameh. He allowed him to eat them whether they were Tahor or Tameh, and that continues for all B'nai Noach even today. B'nai Yisrael, however, are considered Kadosh, and for that reason, it is Ro'i for us. Not to eat anything in Tueva, you're a king, you're a prince. You don't belong in the same world that they're living in. They can eat it. You should not. The Balaturim says the juxtaposition between this passage and the previous one, which says that a Kaddish Baruch has chosen us over every other nation, means since the other nations are considered animals, as we say, Amadom Lachamor, there's a passage in Yechesko, Asher Basel Chamor in Bissaram, Perachav Gimel, right? We shouldn't mix in with them or have anything to do with them. And if we ate the same foods that they did, then we would hang out with them. We would be with them at all times. Think of any business meeting, right? We are separate. We look different. We act different. This is a warning to remain separate. Then Mamela, we won't find ourselves eating questionable or even forbidden things. The Chizkuni, the Rabbin of Bechayah, say the exact same thing. We are an Am Kadosh Lashem Elokecha, a holy nation who should be separated from all the other nations by not eating what they eat, only Taros, not the abominable things. The Torah more talks about this at length as well. We were chosen to stay away. That's what keeps us Kadosh. That's the idea. The Chizkuni, the Rabbin of Bechayah, the Torah more. And who do we quote originally? The Balaturim, all of them in the Sforno. The Rabbin Ophraim gives two Mishalim for this all together. A Kohen is walking on the road and a Zar meets up with him, a non-Kohen meets up with him. He asks him if he can walk him wherever he goes and the Kohen answers, listen, I've been keeping myself taller this entire time, right? If you'll keep yourself taller, you can join me. But if not, then not. 
It's also a mashal domain who has two people that come over, right? A good friend and an enemy. He makes a plate of good food for his friend, but allows his enemy to eat whatever he wants. Trust me, he tells his friend when the latter, when his friend sees all the good stuff that he, the non-Jew is piling onto his plate. He says, I'm giving you what you want and you won't become sick from it. That guy will eat everything. He's going to become sick, but I don't care. He's not my friend. Those are the two ideas, two mashalim that we can understand what's happening over here where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is taking care of us, making sure he's filling our plate as opposed to letting ourselves fill the plate ourselves, as well as, listen, I want you to join me. If you want to be Kaddish like me, then you can eat it, but I'm not going to go down to your level. That's the idea behind it. The Zayim Torah says, from a Chaim of Sanz, that Sanz Zerebo, that there are many Kilos to Yisrael whose Shochtim are not careful and cause the people that eat their, their Shechita to eat Trefa foods, or possibly even Nevelis. That causes them to have strange thoughts in their head, and that allows them to come to Kfira. They soon start hanging out with Gaim because they can't think straight, and become like those people over there. And that's exactly why this Parsha is put next to the Parsha of Mesis Umediach. Forbidden foods can cause one to go on the same direction as somebody who's convincing you to do Avodah Zarah. If you've ever tried talking to somebody who's, I, I don't mean to say it this way, but eating things that are not proper, not proper at all, right? And you try to convince him of things that are super obvious to you. You can't, they can't think. They're Gemara cup is gone, and it's the saddest thing in the world to do. It's unfortunate. Meashiloch says the word toeva comes to the word toatava. It's a Gemara Nidarim Nunalvon Aleph from Bar Kapara with Rebbe Yudanasi. You could become very confused if you start eating these things. He gives a mushroom to a king who has a huge palace, right, with many different rooms. He tells the prince that he can walk into any of the rooms, but not all of them, because he's not ready yet to see them. And if you go into those rooms, you'll become confused. You'll lose your way. When you're ready, he tells them, then I'll be able to let you into those rooms and you'll be able to have from all those things. And that's what these foods are like. We're not ready for them yet. If we eat them, we're going to cause ourselves to have more confusion and that'll be wrong for us. But at some point, it could be that these things are going to be kosher, which is about locus. Will things change? Hashem matira surim. Will certain things be kosher for us in the future, even though they're not kosher for us right now? That's the idea of the Ishbits are right over there. It's just unfortunate that we can't see it ourselves from the nations around us who eat these foods. Yes, obviously, they don't look like they're totally dumb. They don't look like they're dying from what they're eating. If only we could see it, we'd be convinced. Rav Victor Miller says, the nations of the world say, they say the following, it is not that which enters the mouth which causes you to become unclean, but only that which comes forth from your mouth that causes you to become unclean. You don't have to worry what goes in, you have to worry about what comes out. Rav Victor Miller says, we don't agree with that. A holy nation should stay away from undignified food. This will remind them constantly. That's who you are. That's who you are as a person. Not only do you have to watch what comes out, you have to watch what comes in. And also, you'll become experts in self-control, which is what we're all supposed to do over here. That should continue in all of our behavior to always be able to control ourselves. Someone who conquers his Yetzirah is considered a hero by practicing mind over matter. That's it. This also keeps us far away from all the others and hanging out with them, as we said before, causing us to learn from their ways. We're purposely separated from the other nations. And that's why. Make it into a toeva. You don't belong with them. The following story is brought in Talaleoros, as well as an Od Yosef Chai Parshas Lech Lecha. I don't know if you heard it before. Reuven and Shimon were both on a boat heading home when a huge storm hit, and it sunk the boat, and they both were able to survive. They didn't know about the other, but they both grabbed onto a plank, and they were able to get onto shore. They found themselves in a land which was very, very against their religion. They were really worried about it. They didn't know where they were supposed to go, what they were going to do, and that land had already kicked out all of their Jews. I don't know, maybe Spain around the turn of the Inquisitors, you know, by, by that time, the Inquisition, etc. I don't know. But either way, they found themselves onto that land. So both of them, they realized they couldn't say who they were. They couldn't say that they were Jewish whatsoever. But on the other hand, they had to get themselves home. They had to 
rely on the pity of other people. So what they ended up doing is they were, you know, they told everyone they were two stranded businessmen, again, away from each other. They didn't know about each other. They were two stranded businessmen until one person had pity on this guy. One person had pity on that guy and brought them both home. Both ate and drank as much as they could in order to get their strength back. They felt like it didn't matter if it was kosher or not kosher. They had to be able to survive, right? And after a few months, they were ready to go home. As he was leaving, Reuven was told by his host, just know, right, my friend, that I recognized you immediately as a Jew. I guess it was the nose. It could have been something else, but probably the nose, right? I am a Murano myself. Every bit of food you had, he told Ruvain, every bit was kosher. I'm careful about shechita, about all the issues of Shabbos. You don't have to worry about anything, right? I made sure that you had everything you needed. You didn't have one thing that wasn't kosher. Here's a package of kosher food to tide you over until you get home and gave it to him safe travels. Shimon, on the other hand, he had no choice but to eat the Dover Acher that he was being served by his host, the not kosher foods that were there, and he did whatever he could to hide his Jewishness, Jewishness the entire time. He knew it wasn't kosher. They met, miraculously, Reuven and Shimon on the exact same boat that was going back to their lands, right? Each told each other about their experiences, and Shimon obviously was super upset that Reuven was able to get out of everything, right? Well, he had the greatest luck in the world, while he, right, had all the problems. He hadn't experienced the same. When they arrived in their town, right back in their hometown, they went to the Rub to ask, what was the difference between me and Reuven? Why did Reuven get this? Well, I got this. I'm going to ask you something, said the Rav. I don't want you to lie to me. So the Rav told him. He said, have you ever eaten trefa food before? So Shimon nodded that he had. He had one time been traveling and couldn't hold himself back from trying cheese and wine that were made by non-Jews. He said, I just couldn't do it, Rebbe. I was an onus. I was an onus. That's why, said the Rav. Ruvain was Zoha to have a miracle happen to him. You were not Zoha. A person who made sure that they never ate treif once in their life will be Zoha to a miracle they won't be able to eat treif. But a person who has eaten treif before will not be Zoha to that miracle. I realize this is a harsh thing to say for those people who are Bali Tshuva. It's possible that that will happen by a person who's truly a Bal Tshuva, that maybe this will be the exact same way. However, Shimon was not a true Bal Tshuva. And that's why a miracle didn't happen for him. The Chafetz Chaim used to get very, very sad when he thought about all the Jewish soldiers in the Tsar's army who had no choice but to eat trefa food. He used to say there was no way that they could save the soldiers who were sent far away. He couldn't save the soldiers themselves to cities at the borders of Russia all the way to the end, right? But those that were close by, we have to do something. We have to save them. He would travel to those cities that they were by and he would give them chizuk, right? He would make sure they had proper food. He would also bring along a safer for them that he wrote just for them, etc. Nidche Yisrael, Machne Yisrael, etc. And we convince people to donate money that they would have a special shochet for them and bribe their superior officers so they would be able to do so and they would be okay. He would also hire people to talk to them and convince them that they should keep up with everything and stay away from Trefus and Basavachalov and ask people who lived elsewhere to do the exact same thing. He gave them their safer, as I said, for them to rule while they were at war so they'd know exactly why it was so important. At the end of World War One, the Chavetz Chaim found himself in Vilna and asked to speak with Chaim Ozer Grzhensky, who was one of the Gedol Ador at the time, as we all know, right, to make sure that the, st- the soldiers that were stationed outside of Vilna had kosher food to eat. The Rav demurred, and he said, listen, the, my people are barely surviving. They don't have enough food as it is, right? How could we possibly turn to the soldiers and try to help them as well? The people tell me that they need enough money themselves or food to suffice and just to be able to survive. How could I possibly tell them? So the Chavetz Chaim told them, listen, I'm an old man. People think of me as a tzaddik. So they listen to me. When I go up to Shemaim after 120, I'm going to be asked why I didn't try to take care of these Jewish soldiers. And I'll be asked, what happened? What did you do? I'm going to have to answer that I tried. And I went to the Rav of Vilna and I asked for help. And the Rav of Vilna refused to help me.
That's what the Chavetz Chaim said to Rav Chaim Ozer. Rav Chaim Ozer turned pale. And he called for a meeting in the main shul right then, telling everyone, this is what the Chavetz Chaim, that he would like to speak to them, this is what he wants to say. He begged them to do something. They opened up a kosher kitchen for the soldiers to be able to help them when they needed something. Tuvcha Yabi brings up the following story. When a few tzaddikim were clearing out the cemetery in Kovno, right, they found two graves with bodies without any rot whatsoever. Right, as if they had just passed a day, passed away a few days earlier instead of many, many years. Right, they were shocked by it. One was the Rav of Kovno, which was not shocking to them whatsoever. Right, he was a tremendous addict. But the other one was a Jewish soldier whose headstone read, "Po Nikbar Hachayel Hayehudi Hakosher." Here is buried the kosher Chayel Yehudi Jewish soldier. They asked around to find out what the story was, and in one of the annals of the city, they found the following story. This soldier served in the army and refused to eat any of the food that the army gave to them that wasn't kosher, obviously. He would never taste anything that had anything trafe in it, and he survived on fruits, vegetables, and I guess bread, and that's pretty much it, right? One time, the soldiers and the troop were really angry at him. They wanted to test him at all costs. They began to pour boiling hot trafe soup into his mouth, holding him down so that he had to swallow it. The soldier held himself back with all his might, and as we all know, this is kind of the biggest torture in the world, he choked to death as they were pouring it down without letting him go. This mysterious nefesh caused his soul to be so pure, even death couldn't affect his body. He died, right? But even death couldn't affect his body. He was buried, and that's the Chayal HaYehudi HaKosher. That's an amazing thing. The Gemara Nebuchadnezzar, Men Vav Menalaf, learned something else from this very general Pesach. Rebbe Yehuda says the name of Remeir. I'm not sure how many times that appears in Shas. I, I don't think it's very many. I'd have to look it up. But Remeir quoting Rebbe Yehuda, his own friend? I, I don't know. Do we know from over here that all these Surin in the Torah are mitzvah with one another. They join in together with one another. This means if one would eat a little of this and a little of that, right? Each thing being also, but not enough to be a kazayas on their own. Together they become a kazayas, and together they become also. However, this only applies in food whose question is from the basic same lav, meaning pickle from kachim kachim or from kachim kalim, etc. And right, and adding those both pickle together, and a bunch of dead animals are all nevelas, right? Or a bunch of shrotzim that are put together in a salad, right? But it wouldn't be like a sharetz and nevela joined in together to become an answer. We don't pass them this way, according to the Rambam and Hilchos. Nonetheless, it is learned from this Pasuk. In fact, even though Rashi uses the above Pasuk to show that Basu B'chalav is forbidden, like we started off with, Psula Mikdashin, even by Bechor with a moon on it, etc., that's also not according to Halacha. Refersh points that out in the Pasuk right over here. Instead, it must be that this Pasuk is a general prohibition, which we call Lav Shebechalavis. Referring to everything that follows and not anything specific like Shratzim or whatever it is. And that's why you don't get Malkus on a puzzle. You don't get Malkus for a Lav Shabachlos, a very, very general Lav, right? That's the idea. The Meshachachma points out that in the Sifri, right, it says, Atzorem Ozen Bechor is an issue to eat. That's putting a hole in the ear of the Bechor and causing the moon yourself. But this should be like a Knas. We don't want people to make blemishes. They're firstborn animals. So we find them not to eat from them. Why should that apply to someone else who can't eat the blemish from the animal? Why is that a Knas for everybody? It's a Knas for the guy himself, but not for everybody. Why is this a problem? It should be much what everybody else he says. He says, and the Meshach says, it could be that all of Klai Yisrael is considered the same exact person regarding this type of thing. And that's why the word lo silchal is written, right, in singular form, not plural, because everybody is considered the same person. And therefore, if you did it, you did Soramos before, it doesn't apply to anybody else. Maybe that's an addition to what we have, and though it might not be the Oraisa, but the Kanas is there. Partizio speaks about it at length in Sinim Kuchavav, and that's the idea behind it. So what we'll end with is, is that this Pasuk of lo silchal koltueva may be a very general Pasuk in, you know, in the idea, but the concept is not to be matami yourself, not to make yourself into an abominable person, and to always continue working and striving hard to be the best person that person can be. Have a great Shabbos, everybody.